0: Hello and welcome back to the podcast. I'm Dr. Marinwood. Thank you so much for joining me. The other day, I had an exchange with the chair of an anthropology program, and he asked me how our curriculum could help his students land jobs outside of academia. He was particularly interested in helping students land jobs in fields that directly related to their anthropology training. And I told him that what we help graduate students and PhDs do is explore and identify career options that are right for them based on their unique combinations of talents, skills, and interests. We avoid pushing people into specific career pathways because smart people work everywhere. A job for one anthropology PhD might not be the right fit for another alumni. Well, he was very annoyed. He informed me quite wrongly that graduate students didn't need career exploration. They already arrived in the program with clear ideas of where they were going, and our curriculum seemed more suited for undergraduates. And he told me that we should have resources for his PhDs to help them move into areas like, you know, cultural resource management. Now, to be fair, he hasn't even been in our platform or ever used our curriculum, so He was mostly just annoyed with the theory behind the idea that, you know, PhDs might end up working in career fields that didn't necessarily align with her graduate education and training. Now, there is lots to say about how wrong his perspective is on careers for graduate students. And gratefully, you know, as out of touch as this person is, he's not actually representative of most faculty that we come into contact with. Most faculty are very anxious to learn how they can better support and advise their graduate students because they know the students need jobs and that the jobs are not in academia. So the problem though that sometimes happens with the faculty and departments is that they have to justify the education and training and these careers that directly align with subject matter expertise are often used to justify the the, grad, the the graduate degree, right? So if somebody with a PhD in anthropology who came in to do cultural resource management ends up in cultural resource management, well, then the degree was worthwhile, The problem is, is that most of these alt-act jobs that are promoted by departments and professional associations, they were jobs that were popular for PhDs in the 70s and 80s when when the job market first collapsed. And they've become highly specialized career fields. So in history, for example, which is the discipline I did my PhD in, you know, PhDs are often told to check out museums and archives as alternative careers, but museums and archives don't actually hire academically trained PhDs like I wasn't trained in in archival management you know they museums hire people trained in information and library sciences and archival sciences you know public history another field where people like are are always like oh you go into public history and work at museums it's like no you can't right public history and museum studies is its own field and they're also not growing fields My other favorite suggestion is think tanks. There's somehow this idea that PhDs can go work at think tanks. And whenever anyone tells me this, I always want to ask the person to name more than five think tanks off the top of their head, just in the United States, let alone in a particular city. I'm not sure how many think tanks people imagine there are out there, but there are not that many. Think tanks hire just a minuscule number of people and only a small number of PhDs to do research. And we can come back to that in a minute. The same goes for higher ed admin jobs. A lot of academics assume that those jobs are for PhDs because we spend time in, in academia, but they're often not right. Jobs in higher education administration are often for project managers in p- the purchasing office. Um, they're in tech, they're in um, food services, they're in you know the bookstore, they're in management positions. They're not for PhDs, right? Um, even something like uh, student services. People who work in student services often have masters in education that's specifically designed to help them be career advisors and counselors. They're not PhDs in English or philosophy, and and increasingly less so. There's also now people who are are doing degrees in in higher education leadership or management, and they're moving into some of the, um, the leadership positions that PhDs might have sought out previously. So what tends to happen when departments or faculty talk about career pathways is that they hold up unicorn jobs. You know, this person here is the director of the NIH or the Smithsonian. You're like, that's awesome. There is literally one job. Then that person has it. You know, they're not necessarily highlighting learning design specialists or consultants or data scientists or entrepreneurs or digital marketers. That's because we PhDs, the ones out here who are leveraging our skills or have to read ourselves into a new career field, We represent an uncomfortable reality for many departments, and that's that our PhD was not enough or even the thing that got us our job. We're also working in jobs that don't require a PhD at all, and I can say that 100% about my experience running an ed tech startup. Like my PhD in history, you know, it gave me some transferable skills, I suppose, but it didn't set me up to be successful in business. I've had to learn how to do marketing and sales. I've had to learn how to do pitches. I've had to learn how to build websites and design marketing campaigns. Like the things that I don't know about business, well, that could fill a book and it would probably be a book I would read if I had done an MBA. So students in these graduate students in these departments are going to career talks where highlight where where unicorn jobs are being highlighted these rare rumored to exist but often not found in nature and they're also in career fields that are now heavily saturated and are as fiercely competitive as the academic job market. So take cultural resource management. Sure, there are probably projects out there that um, have space for archaeologists, but they're few and far between compared to UX research, which is a growing field where we see tons of anthropologists moving into uh, those, that tech sector with great success. All right. So where are the jobs and how can you find one? Well, Today I was doing some research and I came across a really interesting, uh, article. It, rec- it was original research that was conducted by a, a search firm, a research firm, sorry, uh, called Sage Exchange. And they looked at LinkedIn's 148 industry categories. So when you're setting up your LinkedIn, ca- uh, your LinkedIn profile, there are different categories that you can choose from. And, um, then they were able to use, uh, their, you know, their big data, to estimate the number of users on LinkedIn who worked in these specific industries. So they broke down like how many profiles are in certain industries on LinkedIn. And that's super fascinating research. Although some of it's actually pretty unsurprising. So keep in mind that LinkedIn has nearly 500 million users worldwide. All right. So when I'm telling you these numbers, these are not for the United States. These are worldwide numbers. So the top 10 industries accounted for 27% of all users on LinkedIn. So they were the largest professional career fields where people are actively engaged on LinkedIn. And the top 25 industries accounted for 50% of all the users. Coming in at number one was information and technology, which accounted for 20 million profiles, four hundred profiles. This is why at Beyond Prof, we highlight tech jobs all the time. It's because that's where the good jobs actually are, and they pay well. There are jobs in tech for people with humanities, social science, and STEM training. It's also a field where skills and experience matter way more than credentials, so it's a space where we can break in if we can leverage our transferable skills, read ourselves into new career fields, and get a little bit of experience. Well, PhDs really excel in the tech world. You know, in tech, people don't really care how you learned to code. They just care that you can and that it's clean you know can you do quality assurance they don't really care where you learned your second language they just care that you're fluent and that you can do this work you know fantastic you've got the skills you've got the experience go do it you know ux research same thing that's why anthropologists are often really great into transitioning into ux research again they have to read themselves into the new career field learn some new methods and language but they have the foundational skill set to be great ux researchers and lots of other phd's from other disciplines also go into ux research So tech is great because it's a space where your skills and knowledge combined with a few months of intensive learning and some practical experience can get you into a good paying job. So that's what Michelle did. Michelle has a Ph.D. in Spanish literature, and when we first started working together at Beyond Prof, she thought she'd go into nonprofit work. But she quickly realized how few opportunities there were and how little those opportunities paid and how high the burnout rate was. So she actually attended one of our career panels on UX research, and she fell in love with the idea of making technology work better for all people, which is what UX researchers do. And she joined a professional association for UX researchers. She got a mentor through that professional association. She took some online courses and listened to podcasts and read books she built a portfolio and then she networked like crazy. That's the key piece here, right? She identified a growing career field. She read herself into a new career field and she networked like crazy. So those are the three steps, right? Once you find where you want to go, read yourself into the career field, get some experience and network. Today, she's a senior researcher at an insurance company called Zebra. Which is a company with an over a billion dollar evaluation. So it's a it's a fast it's kind of a tech insurance company. So it's it it splits across some of those industries, but that's the world of tech, right? It's a it's a great area for PhDs to move into. And number six was financial services. And it has over 11 million pro- profiles, and I'm I'm going to skip around and highlight some of the, the the industries where we see PhDs moving with great success. So you might think that you know jobs in finance are just for economics or MBAs. But one PhD we interviewed at Beyond Prop did his PhD in philosophy, and now he works as a financial analyst. And another PhD with a background in ecology works as a data scientist at a major bank. And she's on a team that actually only hires PhDs to do, to do data science at this bank. Number nine is higher education. Um, there's about 9 million LinkedIn users globally that list higher education as their industry. But that includes students who also use the platform. And that's not to say that higher ed isn't a large sector. It's just to note that, that those, the number here of people working in higher education is a little bit inflated because students who are on LinkedIn are choosing higher education as their career field. Now, and the other piece to keep in mind, of course, is that universities are often many towns, right? Or actually not many, they're, they are towns in and of themselves. So they hire enormous amounts of people from construction to maintenance to food services to, you know, athletic services to faculty and administrative positions. So there's a lot of people in the higher ed sector, whether or not they're working in the kind of job you imagine for yourself as a Ph.D., Number 12 is marketing and advertising. In fact, another report that I looked at uh, from the World Economic Forum listed digital marketing as one of the fastest growing fields in 2021. Now, digital marketing is a space for people who can write, think strategically, are interested in how people consume information, who like doing experiments. You do A-B testing all the time, and you look at data, and then you make a pivot and you make changes. It's also a a field for people who love sharing and connecting people to resources they need to help them succeed. So Melissa, who does our digital marketing um, at Beyond Prof, you know, her background's in English literature. But, you know, science communication is also a form of marketing. And it's a field where lots of science PhDs who enjoy communicating, they they move into that field. Real estate is also on the list at number fifteen, and you might think, well, what would what what PhD would go into real estate? Um, and as it turns out, quite a few. We interviewed a PhD from Performance Study, whose name is uh, Marone. And he's a real estate agent in New York. And what he told us is that real estate is often the second career for lots of people. And so it's not uncommon for people to be coming into real estate with a whole variety of different um, educational backgrounds and work experience. And Marone loves his job. In fact, when we interviewed him, he was up on like, I don't even know, the 27th floor of this beautiful skyscraper in downtown Manhattan looking over New York. And that was his office. He finds it incredibly satisfying to help people find their homes because it's such a huge investment in time and money, not to mention emotions. And he, I think only partly jokes that he thinks of each commission he earns in terms of the number of courses he would have had to teach as an adjunct to make as much as he does with each sale. And the best part for Marone is that it leaves his evenings and weekends open to write and direct theater without having to also be a starving artist or a broke adjunct. Number 29 is pharmaceuticals and number 31 is management consulting. Lots of PhDs go into management consulting and pharmaceuticals. It's not just research, right? It's also medical science liaison, technical writing, um, customer success and product management, all of which require a knowledge of science, but doesn't actually require a person to be doing science. Now, nonprofit organizational management, so people who are running NGOs and nonprofits at that you know, CEO level, they're actually all the way down there at number 42. There are just way more opportunities for people in for-profit companies than there are in nonprofit, right? Only one in 10 jobs in the private sector is at a nonprofit. Now, think tanks, this thing that everyone likes to think PhDs are going to move into is way, 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 way down at the bottom at 139. So there's only 350,000 LinkedIn profiles worldwide of people who are working at think tanks. And that's not just researchers. That's everyone working at a think tank. Fundraising has only 270,000 profiles worldwide. Museums and institution professionals account for only 378,000 users worldwide. Like, yikes, right? That's the point. The point is these unicorn jobs are unicorn jobs. They're they're few and far between, and they don't often pay well, and they're difficult to find. So you need to go where the jobs are. They're not in nonprofits or in think tanks. They're in tech and healthcare, in marketing and financial services, in consulting. Good jobs full of highly educated professionals who are building products and services that we all use. But these jobs don't always neatly align with what academics imagine PhDs should be doing with their degrees. But also, so what? You know, that's your department's problem. Don't make it yours. Your degree will have value wherever you work. Marone, the real estate agent, is often assigned to to top clients because his company likes that he has a PhD. Renee Ann, who works as a team coach in a software company with engineers, they like that she has a PhD because it it shows diversity of backgrounds in their organization. UX research is a space that values human-centered researchers. You know, so there's so many places where you're going to be able to find opportunities to apply your skills, make a meaningful impact, and get paid well. In today's economy, that's what you want to do. You don't want to look for jobs of the past. You don't want to lock yourself into these career fields that are tiny and shrinking and already chock full of people. The jobs PhDs were landing in the 80s are not jobs we're going to be landing in 2021, 2022. You want to be landing jobs for the future in data and tech and healthcare and finance and consulting. You want to be building networks and connections with people who can help you land one opportunity after another. People change jobs every three to five years in the private sector. And to do that, it means you have to be constantly learning and engaging with future focused companies, people, and professionals. A few weeks ago, you know, we introduced the concept of career security versus job security on the, on the podcast. Career security comes by building skills that will make you unemployable. It doesn't mean that you won't lose your job. What it means is that when you do lose a job, you will have the skills in the network to quickly land another. And in today's economy, that's what every creative professional should be striving for, career security. We appreciate you joining us for this episode of Job Search the Smart Way, a podcast for graduate students and PhDs. For more resources to help you launch your next great career, be sure to visit beyondprof.com and sign up for our free events. And remember, smart people work everywhere.